Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Place Level Podcast. It's been a quite a while. Last week I missed both episodes actually. Chris ran by himself, both two guests, Jack, and who was the other guy? Ted, 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 Ted of Minnesota. Uh, two big guys we love having on the podcast. Obviously you have, have them again, but we got a big episode today. Pretty sure we're live on YouTube right now. Uh, the Sports Not Account. That's exciting. Um, because today we got a fun one for you guys. Today we actually have a post-deadline episode, post-trade deadline episode for you guys. Covering we, we were thinking about having yesterday, but I actually went out to the stadium last night, called it the Yankees game, which uh, clearly did not go the way I thought it went. Uh, <laughs> so you were not a good luck charm. I thought. You were not a good luck charm for them. Uh, I, I, Yankees are, I think, I counted two and f- uh, three and six when I go to Yankees games this year. I've went oh to nine gosh. games and they're three and six. So I think I should just stop going to Yankees games. Um, yeah, stay stay away. <laughs> Let, give your give your team a chance, man. Like, <laughs> um, well, we're hearing from a Mariners fan right now who's about. The, I heard. I think pretty sure the same record, um, fourth place. Behind the Yankees uh, in the wild. Mariners, Mariners have neither um, won nor lost games when I've attended because I haven't been to okay. any. Um, okay. A little, little far away. Well, so that, that's something. Um, that's something. That is something. I'll give you that. Um, but just a li- just a little uh, exciting stuff for you guys. So again, today uh, we'll do a little shorter episode, uh, 25, 30 minutes. But it's going to be just covering everything that happened the past few days. It's been a crazy past few days uh, from minor league deals to... Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, uh, two of the biggest names on the market that were dealt at the deadline. Uh, just a really big haul, and a lot of players moved around, so a lot to cover. But we're mainly going to cover the best deals that we thought uh, helped one team or helped both teams. Um, or it could just be it was just a rental that could help them for a playoff push. Not a team that's contending, that's looking for another bat or an extra bullpen arm that can help them you know, go over the top. So, other than that, you know, it just the Yankees stink. Brian Cashman is probably the worst GM in baseball. Uh, I ranted pretty much the entire day. Uh, the past two days have been really stressful for me. I've been on Twitter nonstop, checking every second. The Yankees, the Yankees, and every time I, uh, all the time, uh, every hour at least, I see the Yankees check in on Teoscar Hernandez. The Yankees check in on Jamer Candelario, and we have them with nothing. And the only thing we can pull through with is Kenyon Middleton. And uh, Spencer Howard, a guy with the 720 ERA that we signed because the Rangers decided to designate him for assignment, so therefore we're going to sign him for cash. So we're paying for a guy who's a 720 ERA who's pitching 30 games this season. That's the Yankees for you guys. <laughs> we officially have the worst It's good to be rich. It's good to have money. Yeah, it's good to have money and not use it. Um... But a lot of it could have just been the luxury, luxury task, to be honest. I think that Cashman was nervous that they would go over the luxury task, tax, and if they would spend a certain amount of money at the deadline, then they would go over it. So I think that's kind of what held them back. I think if they would have traded, it would have been prospects, obviously. They, they did have a couple of prospects, even a couple of rental guys, Bader, IKF, who are contracts are expiring, and they definitely could have used them as bait. But that didn't happen, obviously. Uh, but yeah, Chris, uh, what about your Mariners? 
Didn't see a lot of moves from them, almost, but nothing much. Yeah, they they were a team that definitely had a several players that got leaked out into a lot of rumors and potential trades, but they, they never really came to fruition. We're talking Logan Gilbert, Teoscar Hernandez, Ty France. None of those guys got moved at the deadline, which... You know, for France and for Gilbert, fine. I'm good with. I, I like them as players, like them as being part of this team. So I'm kind of glad they didn't get moved. On the other side, like, I'm really curious just to see what kind of a haul the Mariners would have gotten if they were to have moved Gilbert. I mean, we saw the trade packages for Max Scherzer, for Justin Verlander, for Lucas Giolito, guys like that. And Gilbert's younger. He's still on the rise in his career. He's still a controllable asset for teams for a long time. Like they could, the Mariners could have gotten a really, really big haul for him in return, and that's ultimately probably why he wasn't dealt. Was teams just weren't wanting to pay that kind of a price to get him, and I can understand it. Um, you know, the question now is Gilbert: is he a front of the rotation, like ace of the staff, or is he somewhere like a number two, like an average to low end number two guy in rotation to a high mid rotation type of a starter in there? You know. Um, and you know that can that can be a, what teams got to decide on how they view him and everything like that. But you know the Mariners were able to move their closer Paul Seawald and get Josh Rojas, Dom Canzano, and Ryan Bliss. Which all right, you know I, I like Rojas. He's been a pretty solid utility player for the Diamondbacks. Uh, having a bit ad year this year, but you know up until this season he's been a good quality player, guy that you know you can start probably as a super utility guy, kind of play him all over the field just to keep his bat in the lineup because he's been a good hitter. Not so much this year. Dom Canzano, he's almost 26 years old. He's a corner outfielder, can play a little bit of first base, but there's not really been a whole lot of big league experience with him. And so where does he fit in? How's he going to fit with this team? I kind of thought when they got him, I was like, okay, that may add a little more fuel to the fire of the Mariners dealing Teoscar and dealing Ty France because Canzano can easily fill in either of those positions. And when it didn't happen, now we're left with, okay, what are we going to do with this guy? You know, he's probably a bench bat. Uh, he's probably a utility guy, which is great to have because you need depth. But do we really, is he really, was he really worth trading for? Ryan Bliss, a prospect in the system, could be the Mariners' future shortstop. You know, we'll see how he plays out as he continues to elevate his game and his career throughout the minors. But he could be the top prospect for the Mariners' at shortstop position, which is nice considering. And last season, they basically dealt their top two guys in Noel V. Marte and, um, oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's the other guy that went to Cincinnati for Luis um, Castillo. Um, I'm pretty sure they didn't feel blank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to say Royal, but I don't think it was his name. Um, I can't think of it. It's, now it's going to bug me. But anyways, uh, the Mariners are left kind of with some players with not a lot of future guys at the shortstop and third base position coming through the minors. Um, so getting Bliss, I think, is a good move in that part. But, you know, Paul Seawold, he's, the way I feel about him is he's the closer for the Mariners. But you put him on, on a team that's actually going to be contending for a playoff spot and for the World Series. For example, we'll just throw out the Braves. 
he's not a closer on the Braves. Like he would be at at best like their eighth inning guy or maybe their seventh inning guy. Um, he can definitely lock down an inning or two and be a high leverage arm in there. But on a quality team, he's not the guy. I mean, he still has a little bit of issues in in getting some of those final outs in there. He's just not entirely dominant. He had a very dominant, I believe it was twenty twenty one season, um, and then each year after he's kind of regressed a little bit where he's not quite as lights out as he was in that 21 season but i like the move they made it's fine there's nothing big again and when you look at the mariners what what were they gonna do i mean you trade somebody like a kelnick or a teoscar or a ty france or a a Eugenio suarez you're gonna need somebody to replace that and you don't have anybody in the farm system that you can call up and say hey you're the guy that's gonna start for us you know here here and the rest of the season out and we're still gonna be competitive or anything like that like you move those guys now we're talking about a, a dylan moore filling in there a jose caballero or a um a cad Marlowe, you know um kind of a situation it's like okay you guys are good but you know, in Marlowe's case, he's young, he's new. We'll see what we can do with what he can do at the major league level. But with Caballero and with Moore, it's like you guys are probably the ninth best player on a championship starting team that teams are looking to upgrade at, or you're at best you're the you're the utility guy. And you know, if the Mariners are still trying to go for the playoffs, you can't give up those kind of players that are valuable that teams want because you don't have anything in the way of calling up from the farm system and the return you're going to get. Well, it's in like, why am I trading an AU Henry Suarez to get a replica AU Henry Suarez back? Like, why don't I just keep him? It doesn't, you know, unless I'm getting something, you know, blown away, that doesn't make sense. So, and I think that was with some of the other teams that um, I'll probably talk about a little bit later when we get into talking about the trade deadline here. But it just seemed like some of the teams, guys in like, we've talked about with the Yankees, like guys that you want to trade away that are going to bring in the haul, big, big returns. You don't have necessarily something that you can replace right away on that and kind of continue to win. Like Aaron Judge, there's a lot of teams that would pay a big price to get Aaron Judge, but he's kind of the guy for the Yankees. And you move him, now what? I mean, you're basically, if you move Judge, you're you're kind of conceding the season. Granted, we can say that since the Yankees were selling, they're conceding the season anyways. But, you know, still, they're they're not too far out from the third wild card, wild card spot. They've got Judge. They've got some guys that they can get hot at the right time. They could close the gap and theoretically make it in. So you don't want to be too overly aggressive one way or the other and being sellers or buyers. So it just made it difficult. Like there's not a big market for a Harrison Bader type or a Giancarlo Stanton or a DJ LeMahieu or anything like that. And those are guys that you probably want to move, but there's not a big market for them. And there's not going to be a big return in you know moving that guy. Like, oh, great, we moved LeMahieu and we got the you know, whatever team X is number one prospect that's not happening. You know, it, it's just not. So like the guys that you want to move that can get those are guys that you can't move because it's really going to negatively impact your, your team. And that's going forward. And I think we kind of saw that uh, this deadline, a lot of veteran players were shipped out in guys that are kind of not so much on expiring deals, really, you know, like, it's, it was just it was it was a very active trade deadline, which kind of caught me a little bit su- by surprise. But it was great to see you know all the activity and all the excitement. Um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of my thoughts on the overall overall deadline there. So I I, <clears throat> I think that's sort of the drawback for teams that are in sort of that tough position because for a team like the Yankees and Mariners, when you're that deep in a hole. 
uh, at least in terms of when you're looking at the standings and you're saying, hey, we're this far out of first place, there's no chance that we have no shot of, of winning the division. So now we have to shoot for a wildcard spot. And when there are four teams ahead of you, uh, we're talking about we're talking about the Rays, we're talking about the Blue Jays, we're talking about the Red Sox uh, in the West. We're talking about the Astros. Uh, not sure who's going to take the West, obviously. Uh, they got the Astros and the Rangers are pretty much fighting, and the Angels are also there. So when you got a bunch of teams ahead, uh, for the Yankees and Mariners, I'm pretty sure it's more of like we're in a top position because, like you said, Chris, when you're looking at your roster and you're looking at guys that could you could potentially move because either they're guys that could help uh, more a team that's in more contention and that has a better shot and making a deep run of the playoffs, saying like, hey, we can move this guy, he'll help them go over the top. Or you look at it and say like, hey, we have a rental, we have Harrison Bader who's leaving and walking at the end of the year with free agency, so we might as well get rid of him. And like you said, who's there to back it up? So mm -hmm. sometimes uh, there's a possibility that it could be prospects. In the Yankees' case, that would be uh, Everson Perriera, who has been a guy sort of on the verge of getting a call He's been really good in the minor leagues, really showing that he's MLB ready. Uh, probably going to be the next man up. Um, but that's just one example. I, I just think overall for a team that's in this sort of spot, uh, and when you're in that type of position, like Cashman said, uh, Yankees are all in. Uh, not really sure what that means, all in, when you're in last place with three games over 500. But listen, he's got to say something. I, I, I think uh, what he said at the conference yesterday uh, – he was saying how the Yankees, in the beginning, before the deadline started, they were sort of in a tough spot because they either they were partially selling and they wanted to buy as well. But once they saw, once Cashman saw how the second half started, I think it sort of drew him back like, hey, maybe we should keep, keep it quiet and keep it low-key during the trade deadline, which obviously bothered me a lot. I thought there was a lot of moves the Yankees could have made, but could have, should have, would have. And I think the offseason is going to be very similar to what we saw this, this trade deadline for the Yankees. Um, because Donaldson is going to walk. Severino is probably going to be on the move. Um, I, I think this season is more going to be focused on shedding money and getting rid of the bad contracts that are expiring or the Yankees will be getting rid of. Bader is going to leave. We're seeing Michael King is heading out. Uh, so there's a lot that could have went down. Uh, I think just... In the Yankees and Mariners' case, there's a lot that could have happened but didn't fall through just because of the positioning and where these, both of these teams are at. But now let's get to more important things because both of our teams suck. <laughs> so let's get to, to <laughs> yes. the, the gist of it. Let's, let's go through the best trades. So I'm going to start off. I'm, I'm going to obviously go bigger here. My one trade that I really liked, obviously we're going we're to get to Scherzer and Verlander. Uh, that'll sort of be our last ones. But looking through the trades, I was looking through earlier everything that happened, everything that went down. One thing that I really liked was the Angels trade. I really thought that the Crone and Randall Grichuk trade uh, was definitely something that helped both sides because you're looking at obviously the Rockies who need younger talent, and they do have a lot of. They, uh, they have Zach Veen, who's going to be a star in the outfit in a couple of years. Obviously, you, you got. The Rockies, who are pretty much uh, have no shot of making any playoffs, so they're obviously going to trade their prospects for, and they'll trade away their stars uh, for prospects because you know they're one of the worst teams in baseball. So 
what they're just going to do is look for look for teams that are interested. And obviously, Krohn and Grishuk were both guys that were on the table uh, before the deadline. They are both guys that the Rockies were saying, hey, these guys can help teams in contention. We can get prospects in return that can help us in a couple of years. So trade was Angels acquire first baseman C.J. Krohn and outfielder Randall Grichuk from the Rockies in exchange for Mason Albright and Jake Madden, both top in the top 30. For the Angels, I'm pretty sure Albright, I think, was top 15. Madden, I think, was in the 20s, but he might not have been. Um, but I, I think Krohn and Grichuk were both great additions uh, because you obviously have Walsh, who's really been struggling this year. Uh, Krohn last year really broke out. He's sort of struggling this year, but he could be a nice DH bat uh, whenever he's around. He can play some first. He plays first base pretty well also, so that helps. And then obviously the, on the Grichuk side, uh, that was obviously the bigger name uh, because he's just a contact machine, batting 307 this year. And he's someone that was highly touted coming into the deadline. There was a, he was getting a lot of calls. I think there was uh, eight, nine teams that checked in on him, said, like, hey, we're interested in this guy. He can help us down the stretch. So, obviously, the Angels ended up with him. But I think a lot could happen. Uh, I would even say that other teams could have, the Rockies could have gotten, gotten more from the Angels, and if it was any other team that's willing to spend and willing to give away prospects, they could e could have even gotten more for a guy like Richuk, who hits well and plays a good outfield. Um, but really just a very good move by the Angels. Just a very solid move. I think they really they upgraded. First base, uh, I think it's an upgrade for Walsh just because of his, his struggling. Uh, outfield is definitely a big upgrade. Grichuk, he homered his first game, first game there. Crone also had an RBS single, but really overall, it's just a very solid trade for the for the for the Angels. I think they really upgraded in several areas, and that really can help them down the stretch. Yeah, the Angels were definitely one of the most active buying teams at this deadline. I mean, they also nabbed Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez too from from the White Sox to really help bolster that rotation and bullpen. So they're definitely going all in for it. I just don't think they make it. I really don't. I, I mean, um, I, I, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how this season plays out for the Angels because if they don't make it, I believe Otani has an opt-out after this year. And I don't know if you caught wind of this during the All-Star break, but Seattle was definitely chanting to Otani to come to Seattle. Uh, and he says he loves it there. So, you know, I mean, anyways. Um, I doubt that would really happen anyways. I loved it, but I, I'm not – but, I mean, if if there's great odds out there about Otani going to Seattle, I might throw a few few dollars on it just because why not. But for, for me, the deal – there wasn't a deal that I specifically liked. I was like, man, that's a great deal, like a really great deal. Like I felt all the buyers that were there, like your Angels, your Dodgers, your Brewers, um, the, the that team in Houston, you know, they mm. all – they all made some good moves to help make them better and help, I would say, solidify their spot in being in the playoffs. But there wasn't a move that was made that you can say, oh, that puts them over the top. They're now the front runner. Like, for example, the Rangers getting Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery. Like, 
I would really like that if Jacob DeGrom was healthy for them. I'd be like, okay, now you got a one-two punch of DeGrom and Scherzer, and then you're going to Montgomery or John Gray or Andrew Haney or Martin Perez or Dane Dooning. I mean, like, that's a really good rotation. Too many guys for the postseason, you know. But, uh, you know, I would say that that would be a move that put them as a front runner. I don't feel there was that. Now, the moves that I like – is going to be a little bit shocking because it's not getting a lot of publicity and it's not getting a lot of talk. And it's the Chicago Cubs. I like their move of getting Candelero from the Nationals. I mean, Candelero was the best third baseman on the market. He moved from the Nationals back to his original ball club with the Cubs. And I like his move there on that left side of the field with Swanson and him there locking things down. You've got Nico Horner at second, Trey Mancini at first, Cody Bellinger in center, Seiya Suzuki in... Huh? Mancini's out. They they got rid of him. Oh, did they? They they uh they waived him. Yeah. Uh okay. Well, anyways, he wasn't doing that great, anyways. No, but I still I still year. like him. Um, but I mean, I still like the moves that they made there. It wasn't a, a big, big deal or anything like that. Like it's not a, like big name deal or anything like that. But at the same time. The Cubs were thought to be sellers at the deadline, and their little win streak that they put on right before the All Star break and after the All Star break, it, you know, I think it was Jed Hoyer came out and said that changed their mind and did, made them become buyers. And they're another team, like I was talking about earlier, like the players that you want to move and the players that we talked, we heard a lot about in Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman. You're moving those guys, you're going to get a good return for them, but you're also going to hurt your team currently. And, you know, considering the NL Central has been a crazy division to begin with, and I don't necessarily view the Milwaukee Brewers or Cincinnati Reds as teams that are that much better than the Cubs, I think the Cubs were smart in going for it. I think the division can be had. I think they can do it. I, I'm not worried about the Brewers. They've got their own issues. They always seem to kind of struggle in the second half of the seasons anyways. The Reds, I think what may end up happening is the worst thing that could have happened for them was their success that they had because I think they'll ultimately miss the playoffs and then that'll kind of hurt their draft position uh, when we come next year's draft. So granted, those are small little things that could negatively affect them. And their their future is pretty bright with their, their farm system they've got and the young players they have in there. They really just need to get some more bullpen help for them to go along with some healthy frontline starters but i like the cubs moves i think it helps make them a stronger team to win the nl central and you know when we had jack on he talked about we talked about it and we said you know the brewers is kind of their division there's not a real team out there that scares them he said now if the cubs don't sell at the deadline that's a team to watch out for because they have a lot of veterans there who've been there in the postseason who've won it and can kind of help these younger guys you know, keep them in line and know what needs to be done to make it there. And so I like the Cubs moves at this deadline. A a team I don't like that wasn't that, you know, for their trade down line is going to be our buddy Ted's Minnesota Twins. When he was on, we talked about it. He wasn't expecting like big shocking moves or anything like that just because they're, again, they're in a similar situation where the guys that are going to bring the biggest returns are guys that are going to be hard to replace and it's going to help hurt their team in the short run. But even with that, I still think the Twins should have gone out and made a move. I Again, it would have been hard because you know, you're looking at most likely giving up some prospects or packaging some guys with a prospect to get somebody in either the bullpen or to get another bat for them. But 
as it is, I think the Twins are going to be fine because the AL Central is the worst division and the Guardians seem to be sellers, even if they're not going to admit it, but they seem to be sellers. And so it's a Twins division. They should walk into the playoffs, which is great. But I expect them to be a first-round exit because they just don't have a lot to kind of compete against some of the other AL teams that they're eventually going to go against. Like, I like the Rangers better than them. I like that team in Houston that gets in that's better than them. Like Tampa Bay, I like Baltimore, you know. Um, there's a lot of teams I like better than than Minnesota that I think could go on and actually have a legit shot at winning the World Series. So I'm a little kind of sad to see the Twins didn't make a deal. I especially am sad because right before the deadline there was a rumor about the twins being interested in teoscar hernandez and ty france and i kind of would like both of those guys being in minnesota i think they would have been good fits for those teams um i did ask ted i messaged him i said so this rumor is going on like am i does that mean like mayors here are getting brooks lee or royce lewis back in return he said no and i was like well that's a disappointing way to crush my dreams but um it, it makes sense again i mean the twins aren't necessarily wanting to give up some of their prospects for rental players like a teoscar hernandez um but yeah again great deadline you know Rafal, we gotta hear who's either your team that you're disappointed in or you know t- trade that you didn't like to see happen so i should far get to that i just wanted to know two things like you were talking about the twins and how they didn't they were sort of your disappointment so, I think in the Twins case, like obviously you were saying, they're the, at least in their positioning it when they're at when they're going into a trade down line with their couple games over five hundred in a division that's the worst in the league, and you know they're thinking like you know going into the the deadline, the Twins front office is thinking like, hey, we're obviously contenders, uh, and at least to win the division. But other than that, we probably have no shot of getting past the first round. So then it's like we won the division and then have an early exit. So I think what they're thinking was probably, like I said, well, you know, they they definitely won the division. I think that since since the Guardians didn't do much and didn't really do anything to bolster their holes, I just think it was like it was more of a saying like, hey, you know, we're out of the race now. Maybe we'll get a wild card spot. Probably not. Maybe even win the division, uh, depending on how this goes, because it is a one-two game race right now between the Guardians and the Twins. Uh, I think if there's two, three game separation, didn't check, but something like that. It's very close. Um, but I think it was more like we're too far out and we don't have close enough talent to other teams that will make a deeper run in the playoffs. And I think on the flip side, with, for, for the Cubs, like you were saying, uh, with Bellinger and Stroman, I think by, by the time w- when the deadline came, when they took that huge series before the deadline, I think it was a sleeper took two out of three. I think it was like, hey, we're now at the point where we have a shot. Mm-hmm. And getting rid of guys like Stroman and Bellinger, who are both for agents at the end of the year, you, we might as well hold on to them because at this point we have a shot making the playoffs. And if everything goes well and we do make a deep run in the playoffs, then it was worth it. Because uh, if it happens to be that the Cubs go on a crazy streak, and you know they end up, they end up uh, making a deep run, they they might resign them at the end of the year because they, then they're gonna yeah. say, hey, you know, we have a, enough talent to make another run next year. So let's do, let's run it back with them, and they and Bellinger and Stroman can really rake it in next year if that that's the case. So 
my winners and losers, just uh, I'm going to pick my winner uh, team. Uh, I just want to mention, this is not my winner, but I think the Mets got a really huge haul. Uh, they, obviously, the Scherzer and Verlander were both left, and they really just, their whole rotation completely fell apart just now. Um, the Mets got Luis Angel Acuna, Ronald Acuna's brother, Marco Vargas, that was for the David Robertson trade, Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, both top five prospects in the Astros organization for Verlander. So they got a huge haul. I definitely think that's something to note because the Mets can really make an impact and really I can see them being loaded in the next, in the next couple of years if all these prospects uh, turn up and they all pan out because they just got a huge haul of prospects. And that's definitely something to take note of. But my winner, uh, going to have to go with the Rangers. I, I really think the Rangers, they did a lot. Uh, you were talking about how it didn't really put them over the top. I think that the Rangers were already sort of over the top with how they were playing. Uh, obviously, they're in first place right now, um, head of the Astros. And I think that even without getting Montgomery and Scherzer, obviously, obviously getting Montgomery and Scherzer is huge. But I think even despite those trades, if those trades didn't go down, I think the Rangers would still would have made a, still made a, made a good run in the playoffs this year. But now getting Montgomery and Scherzer, they're... Or now they're over the top. Uh, I, like, like you said, there, there wasn't anything mind-blowing this season, uh, this trade deadline. I, I knew going in that Scherzer and Verlander would be moved. There was no last-minute uh, tasker and Nandez getting traded. It was more just the Mets, Steve Cohn going in was like, hey, Verlander, Scherzer, both on the trading block. We're going to trade them. We're too far out of the playoffs. We're not a contending team. Let's trade them. That was that was sort of the thought process. So we everyone knew going in that those two would be on the trading block. But now that the Rangers have added Montgomery, they added Scherzer. I think that now they're at the point where like, hey, we are, are we have enough starting pitching, and our lineup, everyone's lineup is clicking. And now that we got these two weapons, now we're ready. Now we're prepped, and now we're ready for battle. They're ready to go to war with whoever, whoever's ready to face them, honestly. really, I think the Rangers have really proved that maybe the Simeon and Seager trades did, did pan out until last year. Uh, I remember last year after the Mariners spent over $500 million on, on uh, up the middle, Seager and Simeon, uh, where they both pretty much had down years, and they both come back and have huge years. So this is kind of showing that all the money that they spent is sort of Panning out now, uh, the Rangers are now becoming one of the better teams in the game, and they are the one of the better teams in the game. And I think I really like what the Rangers did this this, this trade deadline. Uh, my losers, I'm obviously gonna say the Yankees. Uh, I I I said before there, there's it was very it was a very fragile. Uh, that's how I put it. It was a very fragile. Uh, Two days because, like I said before, there there wasn't a lot that they could have done. Uh, like I said, based on the where they are right now, I think they were in a very tough position. Cashman Cashman had really just a lot going on at the same time because of where they are right now and the fact that they're pretty much have no shot at winning the division at this point, and now it's just a wild card. Uh, it's, uh, now they just have to fight for a wild card, and when you're in a spot. I thought about this for a while because 
after yesterday, I was very upset with how things turned out. I thought that for, for literally three hours when I was at the Yankees game, I was just like venting and I could not stop saying how bad Cashman was and I just kept ripping on it. But if you th now that I thought about it and the more that I looked into it, I, I realized that there wasn't a lot that they could have done because no matter what they did, if, if they did get end, ending up getting Candelario, that means that they're either giving up one of their top prospects or they're giving up a player that they need now. Um, and obviously getting Candelario was something that all Yankees fans wanted. Even I wanted to give the Candelario. But at the, end, at the end of the day, I just think that there's a lot of could-haves and there's a lot of should-haves for Cashman. But at the end of the day, he, for him, that was the right decision. So as fans, we got to back him up. Maybe, you know, I, I didn't agree at first, but I just think, that based on where the Yankees stood yesterday, I just didn't think there was a lot they could have done um, because there are teams that, in the Cubs' case, the Cubs are far ahead. They, the record-wise, they might be the same, but positioning-wise, uh, they're ahead of where the Yankees are right now. So for a team that would need someone like that more than the Yankees do because the Yankees wouldn't, the Yankees don't need Candelar as much as the Cubs do because the Yankees are, are in a probably in a bigger pit than the Cubs are right now. So you're going to get outbid by a team that needs someone more than him, more than you guys. So in Cashman's, in Cashman's eyes, even if they would go for Candelaria, it's likely that the other team would outbid them. Because, like I said, the Yankees aren't going to spend money uh, as of now uh, because of the luxury tax. But they do have prospects. But I, I just, now that I think about it, I think that it could, it could have been that the, a bigger contender would outbid Cashman. Um, so that that's sort of my breakdown of the trade deadline. Obviously, there's a lot of other trades and a lot of other names that traded jerseys over the past day. Uh, a lot of teams upgraded, a lot of teams downgraded. Some teams uh, sort of mixed up and uh, dumped either dumped their farm system or retooled their farm system and revamped it and got a whole new haul of prospects, like the Mets and. Like the, like the White Sox, they were also big sellers. Um, the Cardinals Pirates got also got a bunch returns. of guys. Um, but overall, I think it was just a very small market trade deadline, Chris, like you were saying. I think that it was just a very uh, – there was a lot that went down, yes, but there wasn't anything uh, eye-opening that was like, hey, whoa, this guy got traded. Chris, I'm not sure if you agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I do, I think. There's a lot of moves that were made for teams and, you know, good good for them. Um, but there wasn't, like I said, I don't think there was any clear-cut trade that's like, oh, that was the biggest trade. We're, you know, people are still talking about it today. Like it's making, you know, the the number one thing that sports radio shows across the country or are writing about or talking about. Like I don't think that's, that's the case at all. It, like I said, I think your biggest names are Verlander and Scherzer moving, but they're moving to teams that, you know, the Rangers are probably making the playoffs anyways. The Astros were probably making it too. So all it did was just help bolster their chances of making it in. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, this clearly moves them up to the front. Like I saw some some things come up saying, like, does the Verlander trade move the Houston up to being the top team or the most team to worry about or whatever? I'm like, no, because one, Verlander hasn't been great in the playoffs recently, and two, they, you know, whatever. They're, they still got a ways to go to, you know, either win the division or, or make it in. So um, 
good moves all around, but yeah, no, no big, no big move or anything. I think as long as there's, you know, going to be, um, three wild cards, I think we could kind of see stuff like this moving forward just because it's going to be hard for teams to really, that are close, but you know, they're either you're gonna have to decide to go all the way in or not like the Mariners. They're now third in the division. Um, they're a few games behind third, you know, they got to beat Boston. They got to leap Boston and New York to make it in. Oh, and uh, Toronto, I believe, to make it in. And can it be done? Yeah, it can. Is it going to be done? <laughs> what have they <laughs> shown this season? All the yeah. So, I mean, why should Depoto go all in and trade you know some prospects to get somebody that maybe gets it over the hump? Maybe it doesn't. But and you know if it does, great. If it doesn't, this dude better be on the contract moving forward because if not, then you just bought a rental and you potentially overpaid and now you're kind of hurting yourself. So, um, so yeah, we'll see how things play out here. Like I said, I like the activity from the deadline. Deadline, it was fast, it was furious. So many things going through, um, you know, about players that were going to be dealt that didn't, such as like Eduardo Rodriguez from the Tigers. Uh, a lot of other d- names that came up that didn't get moved. Uh, yeah, yeah. So good moves, bad moves. We'll see how this plays out. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's all about getting wins, and that is from the players that are actually going to be playing on the field. And looking forward to the the second half. Yeah, so that's a wrap for today. Uh, I think um, things could get fun, Chris, with the three wild cards um, because there's right now a lot of teams in AL and NL that are fighting for a wild card spot. So I think things will definitely get wild, wild uh, once we get to the the final stretch. But for for today, that's gonna be a wrap for our post tread trade deadline episode tonight at nine o'clock we have a, a guest uh it's not going to be live streamed but it's going to be recorded obviously it'll go up on youtube and spotify this also go up on youtube and spotify once we get it to dawson our awesome editor that does everything along with allison who coordinates everything uh shout out to those guys and yeah tonight we're gonna have larry stone uh one of the Mar- seattle mariners the beat writers we had him on before. The, Chris went solo for that. But we're going to have him on tonight. Definitely exciting stuff. Uh, and, yeah, that's a wrap for today. Uh, Larry, again, make sure to check out Larry Stone's episode once that comes out. That's going to be at 9 o'clock tonight. We're going to ask him everything about them from the Mariners trade deadline to Jared Kalanick's injury and to Jose Caballero, who might be playing some more second base with Colton Wong getting designated for assignment. So that's a wrap for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed this live stream. It's up on YouTube. I just checked. It did, it did stream. Thank God on YouTube the entire time. Uh, make oh. sure that you check out our Twitter page, Replacement Level 1. Make sure to check that out. And make sure to follow us. Make sure to check out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. That's where everything goes on audio. If you don't want to watch things on YouTube, then check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Everything is there. Share it. Send it to a friend and enjoy. Take care, everyone.